Hello and welcome to this podcast, Focus on Modern Slavery. My name is Debbie Huxton and I'm a modern slavery campaigner for the Litchfield Diocese Mothers' Union, supported by Transforming Communities Together. The aim of this podcast is to raise awareness of the evil crime of modern slavery, human trafficking and county lines, to engage in meaningful conversations that highlight the plight of those victims enslaved and give a voice to those who are being unjustly treated and cannot speak for themselves, to set the captives free. Each episode will bring you a great discussion from interviews with those involved in all aspects of working towards eradicating modern slavery, and thought-provoking stories from those that have been victims themselves, to information on how you can help bring an end to this devastating exploitation of human life. Together, we can change the narrative from one of indifference to making a difference. Together, we can make a difference. So hello and welcome to this episode of Focus on Modern Slavery podcast with me, Debbie Huxton. I'm really delighted today to be able to say that we have Christian Guy. Now, I like to check people out on LinkedIn. So um, what it says here about you, Christian, is that you're the chief executive for an international anti-slavery NGO, Justice and Care, a former special advisor in 10 Downing Street and chief executive at the Centre for Social Justice. How honoured am I to be able to even say those words and be sitting here with you today? So it's my pleasure to be able to talk to you today. But would you like to introduce yourself? Well, Debbie, that was far too kind. Um, thank you for having me on this amazing podcast. It's a real joy to be here. And, and your passion for this subject is really inspiring. So it's my privilege to be here. And um, it's it's good. Looking forward to it. Yes. So it's been a year, hasn't it? 2020 has been a real year for all of us, hasn't it? Quite something. I mean, it's amazing to think that um, we're only nine months into this it feels like a whole lifetime of dealing with covid but it was mm. only back of course in in the spring so it's been quite a year challenging for everybody but i like the way actually that people have become innovative and these sorts of things just become a lot easier and the way you can plug into events and catch up so some positives but all in all very tough and uh, i've been thinking of a lot of people yeah so tell me about your role tell me a little bit about your role with justice and care well, I'm very fortunate to be the chief executive. And uh, what that tends to mean is that um, we're setting strategy, making decisions, trying to move the organization forward and, and stay focused on what we were created to do, which was to uh, help to bring out as many victims as possible from slavery and trafficking, help to prosecute, bring people to justice who are managing this abuse around the world and also working with governments because we really believe that you've got to change things at that scale rather than just seek to remain as, as an NGO doing what we can which is important but really want to get government leadership involved so we, we've got a number of um, teams across the world Bangladesh and India and work in Thailand and Romania in the UK so I somehow try and keep it going. Wow that is no mean feat. Well it's a uh, pretty it's full-time and some it's it's one of those jobs as well where you, it's an immense privilege to do it but it does also it stays with you you think about it a lot it's one of those subjects that it's easy, it's not easy to switch off from it's it's it, it gets to you into your into your very being so it's a massive privilege but you also do see the worst that that there is out there but obviously as well the the best you see the recovery the hope the mm -hmm. the transformation the breakthroughs that are possible when it comes to this crime but yeah it's a it's a real privilege 
Mm. I often say, and I, I always, when I'm doing my awareness sessions online is that, you know, people like you and I, and those people that are willing to have a conversation about this subject, we are their hope. Mm. And whilst there is this horrendous um, evilness that we get to see through this type of exploitation, modern slavery and human trafficking and all that that entails, that there is, there is light at the end of the tunnel and people like yourselves, justice and care, you know, you are, you are shining a light in a very dark arena. And so, um, let's look a little bit then about justice and care the mission of justice and care and the vision for justice and care would you like to just share that with me so we can kind of build up a picture of, of what we're talking about here absolutely so justice and care's focus is really to prevent people being trafficked and enslaved so we work in the most at-risk communities in the countries where we're based to try and stop it before it starts through awareness raising and education and work with survivors we've rescued who can go back and help others to avoid the trap. We then do work with law enforcement to bring people out to, to, to rescue people from the horrendous exploitation and slavery that they are in. Often that is sexual slavery or forced labor, but it can also be domestic servitude and other forms of, of exploitation. Then we come alongside law enforcement to help to prosecute the, tra the trafficking networks because it's a business model. It, it is a group of people running illegitimate businesses. They've got accountants and strategists and CEOs, but their product is people. And we've got to look at it in that context and dismantle the business model. So we help the police and prosecutors to do that. And then we come alongside governments to try and set good policy, the right investment, the right strategy, so that we don't just focus on our organization, but we, we seek to share what we learn and achieve a, a change at a bigger scale because no one NGO can tackle modern slavery on its own. There, there's a big role for governments too. So we, we try and focus on that. Wow. And that's incredible. You just said something that, um, you know, human life, it's the buying and selling of human life. And it's horrendous to think that here we are in 2020 and that we talk about, you know, slavery being abolished 200 plus years ago. And yet here we are having this conversation that yet, still right before our very eyes hidden in our communities is human life that is being bought and sold as a commodity yeah and recently statistics have shown haven't they that this is now the fastest growing criminal exploitation is the fastest growing industry uh lucrative lucratively um turning over 150 billion dollars a year i mean that staggers me to just even think about that that that's human beings being bought and sold and exploited in such horrend horrendous ways but it's fantastic to hear that actually you're at the cutting at the knife the knife edge if you like if the cutting edge of all of this that that word prevention so you're putting in strategies to look at prevention rather than cure which i absolutely love because you know it's 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 going to be more beneficial in the future in the long term for us to put in preventative strategies rather than trying to cure something because we want to eradicate it you know that's really our mission isn't it to be able to eradicate this from our from our streets and make creators create a community uh, create safer communities i'm gonna need to put my teeth in today but um when we think about your justice and care and what you're doing with strategy and prevention 
and going in and rescuing the victims and then looking for prosecution and then how you can work with that, but also working with the government. Tell me some of the challenges that you might be finding with um, government. You know, I don't want to put a downer on the government because you have the utmost respect. That it's not the easiest job in the world. But we do know that. Do you, Would you agree with me that maybe this arena doesn't get the um, TLC, the tender loving care it should have <laughs> i'm putting that politely no i do agree I, I one of the things that amazes me and frustrates me in this job is is how hard it is sometimes to get people to care mm. and i still don't quite know why i think it's either because it is uh, such an alien concept that people just don't assume they that it, it's happening or that it's relevant to them but also it's tough you know it's hard to go there mentally so with governments obviously there are lots of priorities flying at government but i do I do think we've got to get to a place where all sorts of countries around the world recognize we've got a problem, which as they say is the hardest thing to do, and come together to, to focus on uh, finding more of the people involved yeah. and bringing more of those uh, committing the crimes to justice. And I, I get that we're in the middle of a, a real surge in nationalism and a real focus in, on the domestic, but this is a problem that affects us in the UK. It's a, it's a problem that affects every country on earth, to be honest. So we need to help governments to recognise this is um, extremely exploitative. These are the most vulnerable people on the planet. Crimes are being committed in our country on our watch. And it's not, it, it's not good enough to simply close our eyes and hope it goes away. We need proper action, just as we would take on terrorism or money laundering or drugs trafficking all those all those issues we, we've got to apply the same focus to modern slavery because i don't want future generations growing up in a country or on a planet where vulnerable kids are being bought and sold and tricked and owned as if they are commodities it, it, it's got to stop yeah you're absolutely right and again you said about um you know just the way we need to look at this the way we would look at terrorism because it's terrorizing our communities here in the united kingdom in england it is in wales in ireland in scotland it is terrorizing our communities we are seeing an increase in criminal exploitation when it comes to county lines drug running our young people being you know consumed and and uh, drawn into that awful arena that they get themselves trapped in and and you know it's just a horrific side of um, human trafficking. But mm. looking at um, prevention, when it comes to um, sitting in government, having these conversations, what, what happens? What, what, how do these conversations take part? Well, it's a good question. You, you've got to get in front of the right people that there are lots of civil servants that really care about this but unless you've got the political leadership from the very top you struggle to get much traction so i think the reason we have a modern slavery act which passed five years ago was that we had a politician then theresa may who took an interest and made it a priority and she pushed the system to work on it yeah so it's all very well sitting in front of well-meaning officials and they will do what they can but it only gets you so far unless you're in front of the, the senior politicians, it won't change. And so that's the focus. It's to try and fire up people who've gone into political life because they want to make a difference. And I've not yet met a member of parliament that's in it to make the country worse. All of them have gone in to make it better. And yes, they all have their own personal passions, but 
what gets more serious than people being bought and sold and owned and abused? Not very much. So we've got to try and win the argument. And um, that's the focus. It's to try and share stories, bring it to life, um, be clear about the fact this is real people. There are now more British people being found than any other nationality as victims of slavery in the UK. So this isn't just something we can write off as a problem with our borders or something happening 5,000 miles away. It's happening right here in our communities. And so it's that leadership we need at that level, I believe. And that means focusing on prevention. It also means getting as many people out of it who are in it already and stopping those who are profiting from it. Yeah, as we as we um, share here with Transforming Communities Together, we say it's hidden in plain sight. It's, it could be our next door neighbour. Do we know our communities? Do we know the postman? Do we know the person that delivers the milk if you have a milkman or a milkwoman still? Do we know that Amazon delivery driver? Do we know that person that serves you your pizza when you go and pick up a takeaway? Do we know that person behind the the um you know supermarket checkout do we know these people and would you agree with me on this kind of thing that there is that level for us here in the united kingdom that are maybe uh, in a position of um it not being so real because many of the stories that we hear on our uh, through the the news art articles that we read tend to just focus on those people from abroad that are here that have been trafficked and so sometimes it kind of maybe puts a, an illusion in people's heads that they're thinking oh it's for it happens there even though it's happened even though the actual um story is about a story that's happened in the uk but because it involves a foreign national people don't really take on the fact that actually this is happening here in the united kingdom because we know that um, last year Operation Fort, so last July when those criminals were prosecuted, that happened here in the United Kingdom. And I interviewed Peter Power, who was the gentleman who identified the first two victims in his church. Mm -hmm. So I interviewed him a couple of weeks ago for Anti-Slavery Day. And um, Dame Sarah Thornton, the Independent Anti-Slavery Commissioner, she has now written a report on that about the very fact that we need to start taking this subject very seriously you know our supermarkets our shops our supply chains because these victims were brought over from abroad but they were placed into manufacturing uh, food processing plants supermarkets you know they were placed into everyday workplaces here in the united kingdom and so it's happening mm, it is it is and it's people of all sorts of nationalities and British uh, children too and it's it's happening and I think what we need to rediscover is as you say that eyes and ears the spirit of we used to have neighborhood watch when I was growing up but that ownership and I do think there's a big opportunity here because what's happened this year is that most of us have been grounded uh, often locked in um, at home and we're much more in tune with our communities or we should be or we could be um, you know maybe that whatsapp group that's been set up for your street or the the kind of walk you now do to stop yourself sitting down for 20 hours a day at the screen there's a chance now to really focus on the local and it's a great opportunity for churches in particular because a good church this year has been out and about meeting needs building community it, it is outward looking and i and i really hope that the projects that many churches are running now across the country can bear this issue in mind because the people coming through the doors it's just worth thinking about whether there are any issues if something doesn't feel right something doesn't look right then dig in further yeah because the gentleman i mentioned earlier peter 
he met them through the soup kitchen so it was outreach that was happening through the church these two people were coming into the soup kitchen they were using the food bank and it was via that that he identified them so it's important now more than ever anybody that's doing these outreaches church community that they are aware of these things and that safeguarding teams because all of these projects have to have safeguarding in place so we're encouraging people as a charity to ensure that your safeguarding um, protocols have got a section for modern slavery and human trafficking how to identify it and then what to do absolutely so, that's really important and sometimes you just we need people who are willing to show up and be intrigued by other people. And if they've got that awareness through training like that, Debbie, then you, so much is possible. We could save thousands of lives. Yeah, wow, thousands of lives. It's incredible to think about, isn't it? And I love what you just said, you know, we're bringing it from global to local. And during this year, uh, we have got more in tune with our community. There is that sense of unitedness again, I feel, and and um, we mustn't lose that. And uh, I know that um, we mentioned Neighbourhood Watch, and I know that certainly in in here in um, the West Midlands where I live, that uh, the police have started up off what they call street teams. So it's kind of replaced Neighbourhood Watch, where they're encouraging people to take care of their areas. So my husband and I, we're, um, when we're able, not currently because of the lockdown, but uh, we're city pastors. So we go out and we um, look after the nighttime economy in Birmingham. And, um, you know, we're the eyes and the ears and the mouthpiece on the, the floor, keeping a, a watch out for people that are having a lovely time enjoying themselves our motto is we're a caring presence on the street we're practical hands so we work with st john's ambulance making sure that people are taken care of mm. but there are many times that we see the vulnerabilities in in our young ones and those people lurking on street corners ready to take advantage of them mm. and so if we can do that patrolling an area imagine what these street teams that are people coming out of their own homes willing to patrol their own areas what they can achieve in helping create safer communities and eradicate this evil exploitation yeah and it exactly if you ask a trafficking network what their their biggest request would be probably it is that most of the local community is just completely apathetic or disinterested um, and disengaged and sometimes it is it is just about being aware you don't need to have uh, you know it doesn't have to be a full-time thing it doesn't have to be a great sort of phd in modern slavery but that awareness of how to spot some signs the sorts of training you're putting through your projects taking a bit of responsibility for what's happening locally we could help lots of people not just potential victims of trafficking but you'll definitely find uh, those as well just by being that concerned about our community so it's a big opportunity next year to do that yeah wow amazing so let's talk about kind of the pandemic then i know we don't want to labor on that but we know that that's changed kind of the shape of of, of what's happening with modern slavery and human trafficking at the moment what do you think we're going to see next year 2021 in this arena yeah it's a good question I mean, we've certainly seen the pandemic affecting our survivors that we're working with we've got a lot of casework in the uk working with police now here and um survivors have been the vulnerabilities increased yeah. uh, even for those who have come out and who are trying to recover there are more and more people in it who are no longer being able to um uh, get the hope to come out um it's, police have been obviously caught up in in more in more pressures so sometimes slavery has been put on the back burner we're also seeing anecdotally that people in exploitation 
are being abused more um, aggressively or they're less so-called useful to their exploiters and so violence is spiking, uh, tensions are rising, people are being kicked out and, and, and we're seeing injuries and other things go up. So it has certainly affected uh, the current group of people in it. Um, going forward next year, I, I hope that we will see a renewed uh, focus within policing to investigate the organised crime groups that are managing this exploitation, that we'll see more and more warrants, more police going through the door, more um, people reporting things that they are concerned about, more victims managing to get out, um, and that we will move to a place where uh, investigations turn into prosecutions and they then turn into convictions, and that the, the first few hours where someone comes free turns into years of, of freedom and recovery. So they're the sorts of things we're pushing for, and I, I do believe that is possible but it takes all of us. It's not just down to an NGO like Justice and Care or a project like yours. It is, a, it is as we've said, everyone playing their part. And so I hope that once we get beyond COVID in the next year or two, that we can renew our efforts. Because one thing we're all aware of is what it feels like to be stuck, what it feels like to have lost a level of freedom. And it's a tiny glimpse of what's going on up there in a much more serious way for a lot of other people. Yeah, and I often, well, that's I, I share that on you know when I'm doing a training that actually we make we've had a small taste of what it feels like to be locked down but it's nothing like what it feels like to be on permanent lockdown mm -hmm. psychologically exploited and physically exploited mm -hmm. um so here's a question and I might be putting you on the spot a little bit but I believe you can handle it but I, it's just you know sometimes you get the attitude from people why should I care why should people care about this subject yeah, it's a, it is one of the, the biggest things we have to, to win and reach people over. I can think of very few uh, abuses or injustices that are darker and graver than what is going on. Uh, this is happening on our watch. Yeah. It is often uh, more brutal than we can ever imagine. Yeah. Uh, and the, these people involved are no different to you and I are our, are our children. So this is, this is something that's affecting some of the most vulnerable people on earth, deliberate targeting of them by ruthless criminal networks. And we've got a job to make sure it doesn't happen anymore. We've got a job to say, whatever the color of the passport, whatever the, whatever the nature of the exploitation, we do not want to live in a world where this is assumed as inevitable. And in this country, it could just as easily be our kids as, as other children um, who get caught up in this. So even if you want a more close to home motive, even if the, the moral argument doesn't win it for you, there's also an interest for you to fight this because we see in the UK now the spread of this exploitation into all sorts of places, including loving family homes where um, you would never assume this could reach. So it is something we all have to care about and be alert to. And it was, it was Wilberforce who said, you know, you, you can choose to look the other way, but you can't ever say again that you didn't know. And I, I do think once you see it, once you have a look, once it stirs you up, you, you can't walk away. It's our duty. Mm, you're absolutely right. It's our duty to care, isn't it? Yeah, and it, it is because I'm not prepared to hand over uh, to my kids and grandkids a society or a, or a planet where this is just commonplace, where it's happening and where they might say to me, well, what on earth did you do about it? I don't want to be able to say, didn't really get around to that. 
not, mm. not my job. And that doesn't mean you have to sort of quit your job and work in a charity like mine. But we've talked about little ways we can all play a part. And let's do that because it can make the difference. Yeah. And what you just said about, uh, you know, you're not prepared for your children. For me, I always share, you know, about legacy. What legacy are we handing on to the next generation? Mm. Are they going to look back to, you know, Nana Huxton and say, what, why didn't, what, how did you give us, what, why, why didn't you do something, Nan? And, um, you know, once you've heard about this subject, you start to learn about what happens to victims. You actually get to read case studies about this. You can't help but want to ensure that your children and your children's children and your children's children's children have got a safe place to live. Yeah. And so, you know, Martin Luther King Jr., when he said that quote, and I won't do it verbatim, but basically he's talking about inequality has to matter mm. because if we accept inequality, then we are caught up in a network of mutuality in agreement with it. And so, uh, you know, if we're not part of, we're not choosing to be part of the solution, then we are remaining part of the problem. And so I am, as you know, very passionate about getting people to just listen to have a conversation and listen to what we have to share about spotting the signs and knowing that we can all as individuals, not just as NGOs, we don't have to work for an organization, that actually as individuals caring for one another, we can make a difference. We have to let go of that attitude of apathy because it is an overwhelming subject. And sometimes that can leave people in a place of apathy because it's easier to sit there. But we want to encourage people to, to know that they can make a difference because I I'm thinking as you were talking there about that about this exploitation I'm thinking about that mom whose child is trapped in exploitation right now mm. if people like you and I male or female are willing to have conversations like this and become more aware of this subject we could be supporting that mom whose child is caught up in something like this you know linking arms with her and saying you're not on your own we hear you we see you as much as we see your child is trapped we know that you're trapped in the pain of what your child is trapped in and i think we have to do that more and more we've got to come out to support one another we do we do and i i really like the way churches in the last 15 20 years have just stepped up in massive ways whether it's food banks or the debt advice or the work with young mums or you know the the, the clothes banks incredible work that's being done and Often it is the church that is the hope of a local community. And what better subject, what better mission now into this new year, as we're all in the rubble of this pandemic and we know vulnerabilities increase in our communities, what better mission to take on than this? And it, it can be done simply, but it can be absolutely transformational when a church says we want to understand more about this. We want to get behind charities locally that are working on it. We want to provide safe places we want to ask police officers what it is that the church can do to help them fight the crime. You know, there's lots of options, but we've got to do that. Yes, and, and I have to sort of, you know, say that there are some churches that are doing amazing work around yeah, this incredible. particular arena and they're working with local authority. They have teamed up with their council. They have teamed up with their police, local police, and they regularly are involved in meetings. Um, so what would you encourage anyone listening right now that's thinking, OK, I want to know more. Um, I'm interested. You've spiked my interest and I want to I want to know more and perhaps I want to do more. What would you what would you encourage them to do? Well, I would have a look at who's out there working on this, because in your local area, there are, as you say, some churches doing some brilliant work already. But if you don't have that already, 
look for some some charities that are involved in this there are brilliant organizations out there uh, have a look at the subject on the, the home office website they've got a really good um, set of information about what this looks like how they people can spot the signs what's being done um, there is a national modern slavery helpline you can call if you've got concerns in your community so read up and um, become more fired up and maybe get in touch with one of those organizations that you come across uh, at, that's out there because they'll always be looking for support and interest you can sign up to newsletters you can find out more and go on a journey journey with this oh that's wonderful and so um just thinking about justice and care themselves so recently well earlier in the year the in our first lockdown uh we got involved with the hashtag unlock the doors campaign where we were taking those photographs with hashtag unlock the doors yeah. how's that campaign looking how did that go yeah it was really brilliant actually we, it's a rolling campaign so we we're working now with the home office it was a really good way in through the the door so we've got uh various political meetings coming up this autumn um, and it was excellent because it raised a good level of awareness on social media. We had more people taking an interest in the subject, more people asking the question about it. Other anti-slavery charities getting behind it. So it was a really, really good thing to do, have done. Thank you for, for getting behind it. And um, actually next year, we're hoping to launch a new campaign with a group of NGOs that we are working alongside to take that almost pilot campaign, which did get us through the door of government to... Um, to a different level altogether and, and the report that came off the back of the campaign uh, called it still happens here back in july um, is being discussed now with uh, so many members of parliament across the house of commons on all sides of the debate so that campaign was a really good trigger wow so unlocking the doors did unlock a door for you it did it did wow. it, it just takes it took maybe 60 seconds for people to get out the front door hold up the sign and, and tag us in a photo. But that decision to do something for 60 seconds has now created a really interesting ripple effect that has set off conversations in, in Parliament and all over the country with mayors and police and crime commissions. So it, it, it really did work. And that's the tiny way that people could give us a bit of time and it's made a massive difference. But people were really happy to do it. We were saying to people, everyone we could possibly get to do it, we were like, can you just take a picture? Hashtag unlock the doors. And people were like, yeah, we've done it. So, yeah, it's about that people power, isn't it? We have more power in our hands than we realise, don't we? We hold we a do. vote at the end of the day. <laughs> we do, we do. And actually having sort of sat in government for my sins, I know that public focus and momentum and attention sets an agenda behind the doors of, of government. When enough people say this matters to us, uh, it does it does move the politicians so do you think we could uh, email our local mps and ask them to you know champion this course yeah i think it, it really helps and one of the things we might do is is to create uh, with other ngos a, a good a good sort of to-do list for what people can get behind in their local areas because the more that members of parliament feel this is a local issue the more they'll have to respond and so any pressure people can put on, any, any letters, any tweets, any Facebook posts, tell your MP that you care about this and ask them what's happening locally because it, members of parliament get absolutely hammered and, and criticised, but they have a real opportunity to lead locally. They can call the police together. They can convene brilliant churches and charities and local authorities. And so if we work with them and, and give them confidence to look at this issue, we can make real progress. 
Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. And I think that, you know, they're not mind readers, are they? They need to know what matters to their communities and they won't know. I mean, I suppose we could have the attitude, well, they should ask us. But I'm like, come on, let's be proactive here. We're all grown ups. Actually, let's tell them what matters, what's on our hearts, because what what matters to us will matter to them. Yeah, they don't know what matters if we don't tell them and we can have the attitude well they should ask but actually I'm a real like I'm a one for like no if we've got a voice we can use it to speak out yeah and we can't assume that they know about this either there's a lot of new MPs now and a lot of MPs that have probably never really worked on this or they they hear about this happening overseas exactly. but actually what's happening in your local town and we've got a job to help them to see it just as we've gone on a journey to discovery They've got to do it too. And I think once they see it, they'll act. I reckon you should gather MPs together and I'll come and do an awareness session for them in the House of, House of Parliament. What do you reckon? That's on my agenda now. You've started me off. No problem. That's a target for 2021. What do you reckon? It'd be great, wouldn't it? So, you know, on your website as well, you've got Join the Freedom Network. Tell us a bit about that. The Freedom Network is a, is a group of people we're building who... Um, get behind justice and care because they they like what we're doing and as i say there are brilliant organizations out there but this is a this is for people who might give us five pounds a month or or more and um they they join they get involved we create all sorts of opportunities we're trying to help them to spread the word so we'll keep them in touch we'll talk about our cases they'll they'll see what difference we're making locally we've also got this uh volunteer program now which is very new but where we do work around the UK, we're asking people to, to maybe give a bit of time. It's one of those causes that's quite hard to volunteer for. But we do need drivers and translators and, and, and others who understand vulnerability. So that's an opportunity. Also. So the Freedom Network, do have a look online if you, if you want to. And uh, also we're looking for practical people as well. Brilliant. So if there's one thing that you want people to really take away from today, Christian, what would it be? that we've got a duty to understand and fight back against human trafficking and modern slavery that is happening in our country on our watch and it's possible to succeed I, I meet young children who have been in slavery and have come out and are rebuilding have set up businesses they're doing degrees they're amazing parents they're in loving relationships and i've seen traffickers sent to prison for a long time and i've seen politicians say let's do something about this so it's happening, we've got a duty to deal with it, but there's immense hope if we put our best efforts in and work together. We can, we can finally bring this horrendous injustice to its knees. I love it, I love hearing that. And you know, there is immense hope and it is possible to succeed. Just absolutely music to my ears to hear that coming from you, Christian. And um, you know, it's exactly as it does on the tin, isn't it? Your NGO, justice and care. We want yeah. justice and we want people to know how much we care because people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And so I just want to encourage people to go to your website, justiceandcare.org, to have a look at the Freedom Network and see how they can support you um, because every penny counts. You know, it's uh, it's about being able to do what you do and you can't do that easily unless there is, you know, that sense of partnership. So if people do feel led to do that, they can they can do that. Uh, hashtag unlock the doors. Can people still send photos? Can they still get them out on social media? 
keep them coming. You might need an umbrella these days, but get out the front door. Send us a picture. Christmas, we could do Christmas ones, couldn't we? There you go. Well, you've got me on a mission now. Look at me. I think okay, I'm going to sack my comms director and bring you in because this is absolutely innovative stuff, Debbie, I have to say. Come on. But we need it. So we want yeah. Christmas hashtag unlock the doors. Put your Christmas jumpers on, your Christmas hats and hold like that it. sign. I like it. Doing it, Christian. Let's see how many photos we can get through. <laughs> It'll be me um, and you, won't it? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And so, you know, I just want to honour you. And I know you won't like this, but I really feel that these that everyone I speak to just needs to have a moment of being honoured for what you do. I know you do it because you are passionate and committed to it. Um, and you said, you know, basically you eat, sleep and breathe it once you've moved into this arena and you've started working in this subject. It's not something you can turn away from and it's not easy to switch off. And um, having having being in this arena myself, I can totally relate to that. But I want to honour you for the work that you're doing and the way you are leading justice and care and everything that you are doing to fight on behalf of victims and ensure that, that justice is bought and showing people that you do care by your own personal attitude. I haven't had that long to get to know you, but I pray now that this is just the beginning of a flourishing relationship because I'm not putting this down. I want to keep campaigning across the United Kingdom, in fact, the world. I just want people to talk about this subject. It's not a dirty secret you know there are real people with a heartbeat that are being hurt right now and they need to be heard and you and I are their voice right now until they can be rescued and have a voice for themselves but I just want to honor you for everything that you're doing everything that you're doing with government everything that you are doing elsewhere that we haven't even had a chance to talk about today which we will do because I'd love you to come back and give us an update next year um and just for taking the time to speak to me today, you are an inspiration and it's been such a pleasure and a privilege to really share this time with you. So I want to thank you. You're so kind. I, I have to say, I think what you're doing as well is amazing. And the passion and the fire and the you know things like this podcast and what you're doing through uh, PCT is incredible. So thank you so much for what you're doing and your leadership. And let's hope we've maybe inspired even just one more person to get yeah. involved. Yeah, that's what we want. We want to inspire others, don't we? We don't want to be the only ones talking about this. We want other people to be just like you and me that are going to say, yeah, you know what? We're going to join you. We're going to, you know, we're going to champion this cause because we want to ensure that, that there is immense hope and there is that possibility to succeed. And mm. that above all things, we move into an arena of prevention and not cure. Yeah. Amen and to that. So Thank you. You're very welcome. And so, um, you know, for those listening, go to uh, Christian's website. It's not his website, but that's where you'll find all about what he does on justiceandcare.org. Um, you can stalk him on LinkedIn if you want to. Um, mm -hmm. And you can contact us at Transforming Communities Together. We just want to remind you that we're doing weekly online awareness sessions that anyone is able to uh, tap into. If you just go to Eventbrite and type in Modern Slavery, you'll find us there. But for me, for now, I just want to say thank you for listening. It's been my pleasure to speak to Justin Guy of Justice and Care today. So thank you, everybody. Take care and stay safe. We do hope you've enjoyed this episode and found it informative. Do share this podcast to help us help others. To find out more about who we are and what we do, go to www.tctogether.org.uk or you can find us on social media facebook.com forward slash impact poverty where you can head over to instagram and twitter and follow us there at impact poverty 
There's some great resources that you can use. You can go to www.thecluerinitiative.org. And for help or to report a suspicion or seek further advice, you can go to www.modernslaveryhelpline.org or call them on 08000 121 700.